listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Somebody say, let's go. Oh, I like it. I like it. Say it again. Say, let's go. My brother was a car salesman for a while. And uh, one of the perks that he had was getting to drive different cars all the time. Like every time I would see him, he'd be in a different car, like program cars. And, and uh, the night before my brother's wedding, he drove a red Corvette to the rehearsal. A red Corvette. He shows up at rehearsal in this red Corvette. Afterwards, we went to a restaurant for the rehearsal dinner. And we, we had a great time there. And we go out to the parking lot, and, and everyone is, is slowly leaving. And, and my brother, after the rehearsal dinner, he wanted to ride with his fiance back to her parents' house so that he could drive her car to the wedding the next day. That way they didn't have two cars there. It made sense, right? And so he was going to go uh, with her to her parents' house, drop her off, and he was going to drive his car back to his house. And uh, we're standing there, and he looks around the parking lot, and uh, I was the only person left to drive the car. No, everyone else was, was gone. And so um, it was the Corvette from the dealership, and, and, and it, his house was about 10 miles away, so I was going to get to drive this pristine red Corvette back to his house. Um, he threw me the keys, which was awesome. I mean, if you've never had somebody throw keys to a Corvette to you, it's one of the greatest feelings in the world when they just like, like it's like, yeah. You I mean, like, you get nervous for a moment. You're like, I don't want to drop them, you know. But he threw the, the keys to the Corvette to me. One problem, one problem. I was 12 years old. <laughs> I was 12 years old, and he threw the keys to this Corvette that does not belong to him. He threw me the keys to the car, and church, I, I, as a 12-year-old little Rocky, I'm telling you, I drove this Corvette without any regard to consequences. Like, they never even crossed my mind. They probably should have, but I was 12. And the freedom of the open road was just intoxicating. I'm telling you, there is just this feeling that comes with that, especially at 12 years old, and you're driving these old country roads, little, you know, little two-lane roads, hugging the curves in this Corvette back to his house. I had no idea... At the time, I had no idea that if I was caught, I would have been charged with a second-degree misdemeanor, ordered to pay a $500 fine, and possibly could spend six months in jail. I had no idea that was the possibility. So, I have no idea what would have happened. It, you know, that's interesting. Both services, somebody said, worth it. And both of them were men. That tells you everything you need to know about us, right? right? I wonder what would have happened to my brother had something happened and I wrecked that car. Or, you know, just, I mean, just crazy, crazy. You know, most teenagers can't wait to turn 16, though. I was 12, but, but I can tell you, I, I couldn't wait to turn 16 so that I could go. Because there's something with it. It's like a rite of passage almost. You know, you're, you're tired of mom taxing you around in, in, the, in the family minivan, you know, and so there's this, this, this freedom that comes. You're just able to go, and, and, and you're just able to, to find a little bit more freedom in life than what you had before, and, and I'll be honest with you, church. I don't understand these students that, that wait to get their driver's license, and there might, might be some in the room. I don't know, and, and maybe your parents won't let you get it. There's probably good reason why they won't let you get it, so I support your parents in that. Nevertheless, nevertheless, for those of you that have a choice and, and you just wait and you hesitate on getting your license, what's wrong with you? I, I, I don't understand that because when I turned 16, I could not wait 
to drive. I mean, I, I wanted my life. The day, my birthday, my 16th birthday, I'm at the DMV waiting in line to get my driver's license. Who else is with me? I mean, you were the same way. See, that's how normal people function. What's wrong with those in the room that you waited? What's wrong with you? But you know, it's 16. That's, that's the age that we can drive by ourselves. But we know better than to put 12-year-olds behind the wheel because it's just not safe, right? 16 years ago, we birthed Destiny Community Church with a handful of people and a whole lot of promise. We had much more promise than we did people. And there was this young, naive, 31-year-old pastor Hold the days of being 31. And I thought I had it figured out. I really did. I had dreams. I had plans of what this church would look like. Dreams that were too big to share with that small core group of people. If I would have shared those dreams with them, it would have scared them. They didn't need all the details. I know it would have scared them because it scared me. Truth be told, God only gave me part of the plan. God knew what I could handle at that young age of 31. And he knew that I wasn't responsible enough, mature enough to handle the whole vision all at once. If I would have known this, I would have probably ran in fear. Because I wasn't ready, I wasn't mature enough to handle God's blessings at the time, but God had a plan and God had a purpose for this church. And now at 16 years old, I believe that this is the year that DCC gets in the driver's seat. I think this is the year that, that things really start accelerating for us. You know, we have, for, for the, the lifespan of our church, things have just progressed but they progress slowly for us. And, and, and that's, that's good. And I know some of you are looking around, you're like, well, man, this, this is amazing. Listen, God didn't just pour it all out on us at one time. He had to grow me. He had to grow our staff. He had to grow our church. And, and when I say grow, I'm not, I'm not just talking about nu numerically. He had to grow us spiritually, and he had to grow us mentally. I mean, he had to get us prepared for this. And so God has gradually grown us. But guys, at 16 years old, we are primed and ready right now to get in the driver's seat. And with God's help and with God's provision, this is going to be the year that we see him do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I believe that with my whole heart. I believe that. I want to read from Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. preached from the gospel of Mark quite a few times in my, in my ministry career over these 25 years, but I have never preached it quite like this. It's very interesting what I believe God wants to show us. And let me say this about today. For the past month, I have been preaching my tail off. You know that. I, I, I've just been pouring everything into it. Today, God is allowing me, thank you, God, he is allowing me to do some vision casting for us. And so today is just going to feel a little bit different, but I think it's necessary for us as we celebrate 16 years of God's faithfulness here at DCC. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he, that's Jesus, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, 
Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Our focus verse for today, church, is verse 38. If I can bring your attention to verse 38. It says, and Jesus said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Um, I don't normally preach or teach from the translation, the God's Word translation, but verse 38 is so interesting in the God's Word translation of the Bible that I want to share verse 38 with you from the GWT. Here it is. Jesus said to them, let's go. Somebody say, let's go. Jesus said to them, let's go somewhere else to the small towns that are nearby. I have to spread the good news in them also. This is why I have come. He said, let's go. In other words, Jesus was saying, I didn't come to camp out in Capernaum. I came to take this gospel, the good news. I came to take the gospel to communities. I didn't come to sit stagnant. I came to propagate, to spread the word. Now, in leading up to this, what you have to understand is, is that we're at the beginning of the ministry of Christ as we read this. Jesus has, has gone through his, his baptism. He has went through his wilderness temptation. Now he has called his first disciples. And after he calls his first disciples... He goes to the seaside town of Capernaum where many of his disciples are from. Jesus was most likely living there at the time also because they knew of him. And it is there where Jesus will set up the headquarters for his earthly ministry in Capernaum. Jesus goes into the synagogue and begins to teach in, in, in the synagogue. And it is there where he is met with a man with an unclean spirit and Jesus heals the man of this unclean spirit as he, as he silences the demonic forces within him. And, and afterwards, he, he goes right to the home of, of, of Peter. And, and if, you, if, if you've ever been there, Mandy and I have had the opportunity to go to Capernaum. It's, it's a small little town right on the Sea of Galilee. And we have stood in the synagogue, in the ruins, the remains of the synagogue there, um, there's actually a foundation that would have been the, the foundation of the time of Christ. They rebuilt the synagogue above it. It's still ancient, and, and it, has, it has been torn down, but there's still some remnants of it there. So you can actually sit in the synagogue. You walk out the front doors, and when you walk out, I mean, not even a stone's throw. Like, you don't even have to throw hard. That's where the homes start. They are right next to the synagogue. And, and, you know, for some of you and some of us that live in subdivisions that we think they build the houses on top of each other, you know, they're one right next to, they literally build the houses on top of each other there. The walls that they share, the, the stone walls of these houses, it will serve as the wall to the next house. And so they just build houses next to houses, and they're all kind of attached. And you can stand at the front door of the synagogue at Capernaum where Jesus was teaching, and you can see Peter's house. It's, it's just right there. Peter invites Jesus over to his house. They get there, and Peter's mother-in-law is running a fever. And Jesus lays hands on her, and he heals Peter's mother-in-law of fever. And Peter hates him for the rest of his life because he healed his mother-in-law. 
No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, he loved his mother-in-law. If it was his father-in-law, you get it. You understand. All right. My father-in-law was in first service, so it worked really great to tell that joke there. But, um, but, but he, he, he heals Peter's mother-in-law, and word begins to spread, and people start bringing all of the sick people of Capernaum. They start bringing them to Christ. They start bringing them to Jesus. And Jesus, the Bible says, he heals all their sick in Capernaum. And later, he, he just needs to get away from the crowd a little bit. And he retreats. He finds what the Bible calls a desolate place. And he's praying. And that's when Peter and some of the other disciples, they come looking for him. And they, 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 they tell him, they say, people want to know where, where you're at. Where, what, you know, what's going on? We'll get to that in just a moment. Let that just simmer because that is one of the most important statements of this whole story. People want to know. I can honestly say that we have not been stagnant over this past year. This is one of my favorite parts of our anniversary services is when I get to share with you what, what we have accomplished together through the power of Christ over this past year. Since our last anniversary service, not including money raised by Buy a Tree, Change a Life. Okay, we'll get to that in a moment. But not including the Buy a Tree, Change a Life funds. We have raised four missions, just faithful giving, almost $21,000, $20,867.16, not including Buy a Tree, Change a Life money. But since we're talking about Buy a Tree, Change a Life, church, not total money raised, Total profit, I use that word loosely, for buy a tree, change a life this year, after all expenses were paid, we raised $101,000. $101,000. And for those of you that don't know, none of that money stays in house. We don't keep that money. 50% of it immediately is sent to the mission field. 50% is, is, is for our community, to, to serve children in our community. And, and so through Biotree Change Alive, we were able to give over $50,000 away to missions and, and over $50,000 away to, to children in our community. You know, a, a few years ago, I, I, I told us as a church, I said, listen, we, we've taken this hard stand, a, a, a pro-life stand. And, and, and I'm not here to offend anyone, but that's who we are as a church. We believe in the sanctity of human life. And, and we've taken this hard stand on, on uh, um, uh, fighting for the unborn. And I asked you a few years ago, or I told you actually, I said, church, I'm tired of us talking about it. Let's put our money where our mouth is. And we, since then, have been raising money for years for, by, uh, for Sarah, our pregnancy center in, in Alachua County. And... I'm happy to tell you that since our last anniversary service, we have given Sarah $25,006.08. $25,000 that we've been able to bless them with. But we also know this. We also know that, that some people have their children and then they don't want their children or, or they don't know how to care for their children and so many children end up in foster care. Well, we've partnered with a, a Christian organization called Foster Florida and and. Church, I'm so excited to tell you that over this past year, because of Biotree Change of Life, we were able to present Foster Florida 
with $20,000 that we were able just to hand to them, just to give to them, to better resource them and equip them for ministering to, to these, these children and these families. Now, one thing that we have been able to do, and again, this, this, this has been one of those, those moments for us that, that it, it, it's just it's so good to give. It's just so good to give. I remember the early days of DCC, we were just trying to keep the lights on. Now we just get to be so benevolent with what God blesses us with. But we love to bless our schools. And, and we love to give. And, and, and we, we sponsor a blue out every year for football. Um, and, and so the you know, first 300 fans that showed up for this football game, they all got um, blue NHS football shirts. And on the back, we had all of our Buy a Tree Change of Life sponsors. And, and let me tell you this, we didn't charge our sponsors anything because we were just appreciating them for what they had already done with Buy a Tree Change of Life. And so we, we were just ready to, to bless them. And so from our church funds, we were able to, to, to do some amazing things. We did the Blue Out. We've, we have been feeding teachers at all the Newberry schools. We do that every year at all the schools. Sports and clubs uh, donations at the high school, middle school, and different ones. Um, even including our private schools that are represented. And right at this year, right at $8,000 we've been able to invest in the school. $7,978.59. Um, and it's just amazing what God has allowed us to do. And let me say one more thing about Buy a Tree, Change of Life, because I skipped over this, and I think this is important. We're going to have a launch party soon on a Sunday. when everyone is invited, we want the whole church, and we're going to give you some more details on where all those funds went, because we want you to see it uh, with your own eyes and see, see what you were able to accomplish. But next week, next Sunday... We are going to go ahead and get ahead of the game, and we are going to open up our business sponsors. So all of our business owners, business sponsors, um, the first year we were a little behind on it. The second year, um, even though we had a great turnout uh, of business sponsors that said we want to be a part, and to be honest with you, they put us over the mark. I mean, but all, all expenses were paid for before the trees ever arrived. And so those business sponsors make it possible. So next Sunday, we're going to launch that. And then a little bit later, we're going to have a launch party for that. And, and it's just going to be a great time. You're going to love Bio Tree Change of Life this year and some of the changes that are coming with that. Um, let, let me say this also. Those funds come through people also paying way too much for a Christmas tree. Like you, you give more than, than the ticket price. And, and, and you're doing it because you want to bless kids across the street and around the world. And I love that about our church. For our student center, investing in the, the next generation. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to give you a number, but let me also say this. Our council has done a tremendous job of getting us in a financial situation to where we had funds already uh, that we could designate towards that, and, and it wouldn't touch our budget. And so not only did we have some funds there also, but, but over this past year, You've raised for our student center, for our AXIS, $117,226.25 for our student center. Amen. And we're anticipating, we're anticipating the student center being ready the end of November. December's a little crazy around a church, and, and, and there's a, uh, our, the schedules are, are, are a little, um, it's just not uh, uh, as normal as it is like, like during this time of year. And so it's a little sporadic at times. So we're looking at January. In January, we're going to, to open the doors to the student center. And Axis is going to move out of this room into their permanent space, which means adults 
we no longer have to meet on Facebook Live, and we're going to be back in person right here in January. Should everything work out, everything, nothing be delayed, that's what will happen. And, and, and then I also told you about opportunities uh, through our legacy campaign that we were able to, to raise $12,000 uh, to buy equipment for the uh, FWRC, the Florida Women's Reception Center. Make sure you tell those women how much you love them right now because they're watching. We love you, ladies. We put in a new projector, and we, we improved the sound equipment there and some other supplies that they needed. And, man, just thank you for investing in them and loving on them and continuing to do that. Also, through the Legacy Campaign, um, I, I challenged us to, to look outside of these walls, and, and, and we're going to Trenton. We're going to Trenton. We're opening up DCC Trenton, and you have given $67,534.01 towards the renovation there. Thank you, church. Thank you. And as you can imagine, the costs are going up. If you're building a house right now, and I look around the room, and I know some of you are, and my heart breaks for you because the, the, the cost increase and all of the supplies, everything just keeps climbing. Well, just because we're a church doesn't mean that we're exempt from that either. So the cost over in Trenton, the cost for this student center, price are rising. And so, church, we, we, let's just continue to be faithful. And I'm not asking you to do something that Mandy and I don't do. We give every month to these projects, and I'm asking you to continue doing the same. Because, because we are making a difference. I know that, and we're following the will of God. But probably, probably, no, not probably, absolutely, the numbers that I'm most excited to share with you are how many salvations, people that have come to Christ since our last anniversary service. On Sundays at DCC, just Sunday in this building, we have witnessed over this past year 213 people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's not including Vacation Bible School. During Vacation Bible School this year, we witnessed 121 children make Jesus the Lord of their lives. Amen. And then starting on Easter Sunday, we started broadcasting live both services into the FWRC. And at the FWRC, we have witnessed 415 salvations on Sunday morning. Yes. Yes. And Randy and Nicole Dyson, stand up. I'm so glad you're here. Just stand up. Man. I need to speak to you right now. Let me, let, and publicly, I want to say this. What we are doing at the FWRC is not possible without your commitment and, and how much love you have for those girls there. And, and I appreciate it so much because we're not just broadcasting and just seeing numbers. You have discipleship taking place. Some people have asked me, do we want to get into other prisons? Absolutely, but I don't want to do it without this discipleship model because that's where true lives are being changed. So thank you both. Thank you for what you're doing. Amen. So if you're keeping track, total salvations over this past year, 749 people have said yes to Jesus. Amen. And that's all happening from right here. It's, it's, it starts here and it goes out. And, and, and there came this time that we just read about in the ministry of Jesus that he knew 
that it was time to throw it into gear and let's go. Like he hit this moment where he just recognized it, it can't just stay here in Capernaum. Like the message is too important. It just can't sit in Capernaum. It's got to spread like wildfire. It's got to go. And can I suggest to you this morning that this is the year that DCC puts it in gear and we go. We go. Like we are going to accelerate. We are going to see so many people come to know Jesus Christ over this next year. It's going to make our head spin. God has promised this to us. And we're going to continue to pray for the prodigals because the prodigals are still coming home. And we're going to get to see that and we're going to get to witness that in Jesus' name. Amen. So yeah, church. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and just lift the lid off this. Since COVID hit, we have not been taking any mission trips. I'm letting you know I am actively looking and talking with missionaries right now because we're opening the gate back up. We're going back to the mission field. We've been faithful to send money, but it's time to put some workers on the mission field, and we're going back in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. But we're going to go 16 miles down the road to Trenton, and we're going to launch a new campus. Because we believe, we believe that what God has called us to do there, God has called us to, to do here. God has called us to do there. And, and this isn't arrogance. I need you to understand this is divine. I understand what God has done for us. But the four core values, the four D's of destiny, they are taken straight from Acts chapter 2. And we believe in this. We believe in our systems. We believe in, in the way that we do ministry. And we believe that it's going to work down the street too. And so we're taking it to Trenton. And we're going to see souls saved. We're going to see families restored. We're going to see people serving in the kingdom of God. And, and I believe that the four D's are going to be that avenue that helps us get all of that rolling. And, and I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that we get to be a part of it. Amen. God, God, God opened the door for us to do that here in Newberry, and he blessed it. Why wouldn't God bless it in Trenton also? Amen? And you may ask why. Why do we need to go to Trenton? Why is that so important to you, Pastor? Why? Things are going so good here. I mean, you look around, and, and, and both services today, the, the room is it's pretty full. Why is this so important? Why, why isn't this enough? And, and it comes down to verses 36 and 37 of our text. Mark 1, 36 and 37 and it says, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. You didn't get it, right? You, you don't understand what I'm, what I'm saying. Simon and the disciples look at Jesus, and they said, everyone is looking for you. Whether they know it or not, they're looking for Jesus. They're looking for Christ. And I know that there's people in Gilchrist County. Some of them know it and, and they just don't know where to go. And we're going to be that church that opens our doors and says, come just like you are. We're going to love you. 
We're not going to leave you like you are because we love you too much and Christ leaves you like that, but we're welcoming you. You're going to come and you're going to be a part of us. We're going to take you by the hand and we're going to show you what it looks like to serve in the kingdom of God and to be a child of God. And we're going to help them with that. Everyone is looking for him. And some of them know it, some of them don't know it. I told you last week as I preached on heaven, Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 says that he has planted eternity in the human heart. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Everyone, whether they admit it or not, they, 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 they're longing for Christ. They're longing for Jesus. And, and they just don't know it yet. But we're going to take Jesus there and we're going to present it. And, and we're going to help fill that void that's in their lives. They have a longing for him. We've got Jesus. We have the gospel. Or as Jesus called it, the good news. We've got the good news. Now we've got to take it with us. So in response to their statement, everyone is looking for you, I want you to listen to what Jesus said in verse 38. Jesus said to them, let's go. Let's go somewhere else to the small towns that are nearby. I have to spread the good news in them also. This is why I have come. If you know me, if you've spent any time with me, you know that my passion is for small town ministry. Church, and I don't, I don't say this in an arrogant way at all, but my wife can tell you I've had opportunities to leave this small town to go to bigger cities and pastor churches, and it's not my calling. This is what God has called me to do. And God has set up a church. Matter of fact, when I read in the book of Acts about the church of, of Antioch, it reminds me so much of you. And in weeks to come, I know God's going to He's going to use that church to teach us some things about who we are and what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing. But when I read about the church in Antioch, they became a ministry center that, that sent people out. They helped fund new churches being birthed. And I told you, during our legacy campaign, there, there were certain people and organizations that, that invested in us. And now we get to be that to others. We get to invest in others so that we're not so inward focused. Let me tell you, the death of a church, when vision begins to die and when a church be, be, starts becoming legalistic and set in their ways is when they become inward focused and they stop looking beyond their walls. We will never stop ministering to the people in this room. This is who we are. We are family, but we are not exclusive. We are not just here for us. We are not just some social club. No, we are called to evangelize this world and this is the ministry center that I'm declaring God is going to use and we will continue continue to expand our borders outside of this room let's go let's do it I know some of you walked in today wondering how do you do this on September the 11th 
we scratched our heads as a staff trying to figure out how, how do we stay true to our celebration on a day like today when we're remembering the tragic events of 21 years ago that absolutely shook our nation to its core. And I have to tell you, I didn't forget it. September the 11th, 2001, some of you, most of you, you'll remember the story of United Flight 93. At 9.25 a.m., Flight 93 was above eastern Ohio 21 years ago today, this morning. 9.25, they're above eastern Ohio in the pilot radio Cleveland. And he asked the controllers there to inquire about this alert that he saw on a computer screen in the cockpit. The alert that was sent out to many airplanes was, beware of cockpit intrusion. Three minutes later, the cockpit was hijacked by terrorists and they wanted to destroy America and everything that we stand for. They took over the plane's controls, disengaged the autopilot, and they told passengers, keep remaining silent. We have a bomb on board. They told them, we have a bomb on this plane. Within six minutes, the plane had changed its course and was now flying towards Washington, D.C., without doubt, to murder more Americans. And I'm sure some of you have heard the story of a 32-year-old man by the name of Todd Beamer, who, along with some other scared men and women, found the courage in that moment to take a stand against terrorists. Through phone calls, the passengers were informed of the World Trade Center attacks, and Todd Beamer, Todd Beamer he, he made a, a, a contact on a phone in the back of the plane with a GTE airphone supervisor. And on that phone call, Beamer informed the supervisor that he and some of the other passengers were going to jump the hijackers and that they were going to intentionally drive the plane. intentionally drive the plane into the ground because they were refusing to let those terrorists kill others. They knew their lives were doomed and they were refusing to let them take out anyone else. On the phone with that supervisor, Beamer recited the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm And he invited others around him to join in. And they could hear it all over the phone. Beamer then told the supervisor, he says, if I don't make it, please call my family. If I don't make it, please call my family and let them know how much I love them. And after this, the most heroic words and some of you know them by heart when he looked at the other passengers and he says are you ready okay let's roll in other words 
Let's go. Let's do this. And they did. And they saved countless American lives because of this act of courage, patriotism. The group of people that died that day on Flight 93 successfully prevented another attack on Washington, D.C., and they saved the lives of many unsuspecting Americans. As real as the events of that day were, as tragic as it was, as I have been preaching to us as a church, eternity is as real as that. In church, I refuse to stand by while we have the ability and we have the resources and we've got the call to get outside of these walls and to evangelize. This will be headquarters. This will be our Capernaum, if you will. But like Jesus said, we can't just keep this in Capernaum. Let's go. And this will be the year that we go as a church. So put your seatbelts on. Buckle up. It's probably going to be a wild ride. And I'm going to tell you this. We will do our very best as we often try, as we always try. There may be some mistakes along the way. Just show us grace. Give us grace as we all go through this process together. It's, it's, it's not common anymore for churches to plant churches outside outside of their four walls. It's not common. It was status quo for the New Testament church. Like, they had such a mandate on their lives, they couldn't not do that. They had to do that. And the gospel, the same gospel message, the good news, as Jesus called it, is still changing lives today. And until my last breath... I want to do everything within my ability to put that message not only here in our Capernaum but let's go to other small towns too Father thank you Lord thank you so much for your blessing on our lives for your blessing on this church for 16 years Lord that you have been faithful and I know that you won't stop now Lord as long as we keep lifting up the name of Jesus you'll draw all men unto you that was your promise in John chapter 12 I know that promise will remain and so we will do everything within our ability to lift up the name of Jesus and as we do Lord we're just asking you to bless our efforts we need your anointing your anointing breaks the yoke Lord we cannot do this without your anointing we need the spirit of God going before us dwelling in us as we go and doing the work even after we have departed, Lord. I know, Lord, that you will be faithful to help us every step of the way. Anoint us with this, Lord, we pray.
Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.